Okay, can you turn in your Bibles to Hebrews 6, 19? Hebrews 6, 19. So a crazy thing happened this morning. I forgot the key at home. Well, we're halfway here. I realized I didn't have a key. but did have pliers to get in. Big key cutter. So I was cutting the lock. As I was cutting the lock, a policeman drove up and thought I was breaking into the warehouse, which we weren't. So I'm trying to find uh, uh, all our documents on my phone and my handshake and stuff. But anyway, for me, I've just... The thing is, God's, God's hand is on us. His protection is around us. We, are, uh, we live in, in the land where the, the gospel is not celebrated or people don't really necessarily want it. But we have to proclaim the king and his kingdom in this place. So let's just pray before we get into the word. Father, we thank you so much that your hand is with us, Lord God, that your hand is upon us as a people. We thank you for your presence that is with us today. And Lord, we just pray that um, we'd be a church known for your presence, known for preaching, known for teaching, God. And I pray that we would, our lives this morning would be adjusted according to your word. We ask this in your precious name. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. I'll read it again. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters... Uh, the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. And uh, I asked Leb to do the song, but he kind of only got in at 11 o'clock last night, so I'll let him sing it next week. But there's, the, there's a, that Hillsong song, there's a hope that's an anchor for my soul. I want to go, almost go back to some kind of basics this morning and just say, do you know what, we need to learn how to anchor ourselves to Jesus. What it means to be an anchor. And uh, the amazing thing is that for the first two, three hundred years, the anchor was the symbol for Christianity above the cross. Some of you guys don't know that, but that is true. Basically, it is out of this verse. And the whole idea is that we are, these, these guys used to find hope that they were anchored to Jesus because a lot of them were, were put in front of, in the Colosseum. If you look in the Roman catacombs, you go and you see there's, of all the Christian graves around that period, there was, there was, there was an anchor, not a cross. It means they were anchored into another place. And I think we need to realize that as times get tough. In our lives, even in the world, we look around the world, the amount of stuff that has gone down in the past two weeks, planes crashing, the, the Israel-Gaza thing, um, crazy stuff, the, the guys, uh, the, I think there's ISIS, there's, there's Boko Haram, there's, there's crazy stuff happening in the world. Stuff that's never happened before. This, this radical uh, kind of beyond stuff, I better be careful what I say, is, is relatively new. And I think we, it's because we're living in times that is getting closer to the end times. I don't know where the end times will be exactly, but God knows. All I know is we are getting close. And, the, and God says we must, we must watch the times. And the times are getting serious. And I think as believers, Jesus even came back to start on, we're talking about it this week, and he said, Jesus comes back and says, will I find faith on the earth? And I think there's such a reality is that are we actually firmly grounded and seated in Jesus Christ? Because if we're not, the slightest bit of opposition... For example, this is what Western churches, this is how people get upset. Someone offends you by saying something they shouldn't have. They pull away and they don't come to church anymore. We need to learn how to get, because those are like small little speed bumps. It's unity. Unity stuff we need to learn to just deal with. 
And uh, imagine when real stuff starts happening. How many believers are going to fall away? And that for me is scary. I'm like, God, I, w- I, need to, I, need, I need to be so rooted. And it comes down to relationship. Like, do I know Jesus? In the past two weeks, God's been doing something incredible in my heart. Like, I, I, I honestly can't even put to words exactly what it is. But the moment I, I set my face towards Him in the morning, whenever I'm praying, singing, worshiping, the presence of God fills the room and I have to get on my knees. And I've been crying out to God for this for, I'd say, years of my life. Not even, not even in the past few months, God, I'm hungry for you. I'm like, God, I need an encounter daily with you. And I think that if we are not anchored to Jesus, anchored to the truth of the Word of God, anchored to His presence, living in step with the presence, we're going to easily fall away when times get a little bit tough. And uh, I think it's been good for us to have no AC, to be honest. I think it builds resilience. Will we come to church even if it's hot? You know what I mean? And I've, I'm very proud of everyone. That first day we had, yeah, I was like, there was uh, like almost 100 people. I'm like, wow. And that was in the middle of summer. You guys have resilience. And I think sometimes we don't know, when you're going through tough times in your life, you don't know what God is doing. But He's built, He's, he's saying, are you really anchored to me? Are you anchor, is your soul anchored inside Jesus Christ? And, um, all of these things symbolize hope. And for me, the most important thing in your life, I just wrote down a few thoughts here, is not your savings plan, your property portfolio, your job. It's not what you have. It's Jesus Christ. And that is the thing, that is the only thing. And that's, I, I, I just, uh, yesterday as, as I was praying for this message, I felt God say radical preaching will call for a radical response. But when there's a radical response, some people don't like it and fall off. There's nothing we can do about that. Because, because I believe that there is a true church that God is after. I think there's, there's some people that attend church and just they, they, they go by the thousands, they get sucked up into this movement, there may be great music, there may be all of these things, but is their, has their lives changed? Do they have a relationship with Jesus and are they anchored to Jesus Christ? Because if you're anchored to Jesus Christ, you look 100% different. The Bible says that we'll be known by our fruits. If we're not showing the fruits of God, are we anchored to Him? Do we have other things we're dependent on? How do we find relaxation? Do we find it in a bit of alcohol? Do we find it in things outside of Jesus Christ? The moment we start doing that, we're in a scary space. We need to learn how to anchor ourselves to Jesus Christ 100%. It's a thing that God has been stirring on, our heart, on my heart recently. Whatever you put your hope in, Stala said this to me yesterday, so I'm quoting her. Whatever you put your hope in will ultimately be tested. If it's in finances, when things fall away, it will be tested. Jesus, you can anchor and bank every single thing on Him, and He'll never let you go. He is the one that will always be there. And I'm going to read the rest of this verse now. Hebrews 6, it says, It's our great desire, 6.11, so you can go a little bit back just to give you context. Uh, our great desire is that you keep on loving others as long as life lasts, in order that to make certain that the hope will come true. Just simple. 6.11, Hebrews 6.11. Uh, then you'll not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Spiritually dull, so not dull. Spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, uh, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. The promises of God are not a flash in the pan. We live in a, a time where people want, God said something that we want it the next day. And God will, will always teach us patience. It's faith or faithfulness 
and patience that you inherit the promises of God. And he says, you need to imitate those who are doing it. Otherwise, you'll become spiritually dull and indifferent. And honestly, what the world doesn't need is an indifferent Christian. The world doesn't need a Christian who is one foot in their finances and one foot in the church. One foot in, they need, they need a, a, a someone who is so radically on fire that it's almost uncomfortable to be around. And I think we've so dulled what a Christian should be, so we've made the, 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 the bar so low that we let everyone in. Do you know what? It is. Grace is 100% free. You don't have to do a thing to earn it. Forgiveness is 100% free. But if you misunderstand that when God calls you, and it's not like Dave Wally said this, it's not, there's not special people that have calls. If you've given your life to Jesus, you're called by God. You just have to settle that. It's, it's 100% yours. And I think we've made it so easy to, to, to come into a local church, to come into a congregation and just sit and do, really do nothing with your life. I, I, I honestly, I, want, I always want to have unsaved people in our church and I always want people who are on a journey. But there has to be a point in your life where you actually get, get to Jesus Christ and you say, God, I, don't, I need to be radical after you. I don't want to be dull and indifferent. I need to be anchored to Jesus Christ. My, my soul needs to be anchored to him. It says, for example, verse 13, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name saying, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply you, you and your descendants beyond number. And Abraham wasted, waited patiently. Can we all say patiently? patiently? And he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to take hold of it. For example, in a, in a court of law, uh, in, in, in Western countries, you hold the Bible because it's the, it is the highest authority. So you take an oath of something higher than yourselves. So that those who receive the promise could perfectly be sure that, it'll ne- that they'll never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. And then the, that, uh, the scripture comes and it says, For we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Now what we need to understand is that if you look at when God says, I will certainly bless you. I first want to read the message translation. It says, when God made his promise to Abraham, he backed it to the tilt, putting his own reputation on the line. Basically, God is saying, if I don't surely bless you, that's if the, the transliterated Hebrew, Greek, whatever, if I don't surely bless you, my name cannot be trusted. That's, that's the promise and the oath. God makes his promise. And when God makes an oath, he swears by himself. He swears by his own name, which means that there's a set in stone that if we put our, our promises in the word of God, in Jesus Christ, who is the word of God, our lives, our lives are secure. And that's what I think early Christians got. They got that no matter, they could be put, at a, put on the stake. Recently you saw a whole bunch of dudes being crucified. Who said that on Facebook? Crucified in, uh, in Syria. A bunch of Christian dudes. They would find great hope in this. And I think when there's, when there's opposition, the church is at its finest. Because we're holding, and, we, and when those guys were being, be, kind of their heads cut off, Nero was um, burning Christians at the stake, feeding them to lions, they would say, well, you know what? My anchor is hooked in Jesus. And it's an amazing thing with an anchor. I, I, just, I just did a bit of research on it. There's, um, it's, anchors have been around for ages. 
obviously, as we know, it's a thing that brings stability to a ship. And I, I read this story about this one guy who was a, a yacht captain, one of those like chartered yachts. And uh, he, he went to sleep, put the anchor down, and they have a thing. I don't want to get the name wrong. Something anchor. Let's just call it an anchor gauge. Okay, can't find it on my notes. Basically, there's a, there's a new thing on that people put on anchors that if if they go to sleep, for example, you have a guy who's in the med, he's kind of cruising around, and um, he 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 puts the anchor down, and if that anchor starts to move, there's a little buzzer that goes off, and it's like an anchor gauge, and um, that's the modern anchor. So it's like the ship stays in place, the guy can go to sleep, he can come back that, that evening and know that his ship hasn't moved. It's allowed to move a few meters. But he, what happened is that that anchor gauge broke. He put the anchor down, he went to sleep, and then the next morning he found himself like kind of on a reef. And I thought, how many of us live in that place where we, can, we become dull and indifferent, as the scripture says, and we wake up, and all of a sudden we're in a rocky place, we're on a reef. How did we get here? It's because we let little offenses, we let sin in. Hebrews 12 says, do not uh, let sin, get rid of sin which so easily entangles you. It's like the seaweed on an anchor. It will entangle you and it will drift you away from the truth of God. And I think we need to, as believers, be, we have to be radical. There is no option. Okay? You're not in this church. Uh, God's done saying in, in my heart, way more. I just I, I thought I knew God a few years ago. I don't think I knew Him at all compared to now, and I think it's going to be in the same. God is calling His people to be so on fire for Him. And it only comes when we start seeking Him. The Bible's clear. Put Him first. Seek His kingdom, not your own kingdom. There's so many people seeking their own kingdom. And we have to learn to, that, that actually being involved in a community of believers is not about you. It's not about how you feel in the morning, whether you come or not. It's not about whether it's hot. It's not, it's not about any of those things. It's about Jesus Christ. And I think we need to learn, know that we have this treasure, the Bible says, in, in jars of clay. We, we are showing the glory of God. and we need, to, we need to pull people in. Because hell is real. There's people that are going there. There's people who don't know Jesus Christ. And where are they going to hear about Jesus Christ? They're going to hear about it here. In, the, in a local church, by you, the church, going out and being the church. This is just a gathering space where we come to be encouraged. But you guys are the church. Okay, I've got a few things. I love Psalm 145. It says, The Lord always keeps His promises. What has God spoken over you? What prophetic words? So I believe this, that you can take the word of God and whatever promise the Bible says is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. So there's promises in the word of God that we need to lay hold of and claim. But there's also prophetic words that have been spoken over your life. That God, uh, Paul says to Timothy, he says, take hold of the thing that I, for which I took hold of you. So there's, there's, there's something inside every single one of us that God wants us to radically run after. And I think we need to daily... Not even like, oh, there may be a good preach and you, you sign up. Every day of our lives, we need to draw a line in the sand and say, God, today I choose you. I wake up in the morning. Dave Wally, who spoke last week, he's a radical man. I know he, if it came to it, he would die for the gospel. 100%. And I'm saying, God, let that be so true of all of us. What would we do if we found ourselves in a situation in Syria? What would we do? Deny, pay tax. Will die. 
Psalm 145, the Lord keeps his promises. Genesis 12, I love this. I will make you a great nation. You can, I said to start, I want to read this every day over my life. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. This, this uh, word spoken to Abraham, which is the precursor to our, to our Christian faith, faith and endurance, faith, it says that, that Abraham had faith in God and he had this righteousness imputed to him. It says, I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. We have to believe that. That God, God appeals almost to, in a way, his selfish nature. He, he, he appeals to, to, to Abraham saying, do you know what? If you follow me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to use you powerfully. And it's the same promise for all of us. Okay, so... What does it mean to be securely anchored in Jesus? And this is, uh, throughout the New Testament, you'll see there's a lot of lines that go in Christ. And, this, and it says a few things. So I've just got a few different points here. Eleven, but I'll go through them quickly. Okay. Um, number one, in Christ Jesus, you were chosen by God before creation. Ephesians 1.4 says, God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. And I think we need to know that if you're sitting here today, and I'm looking around the room, because we're all believers, you have given your life to Jesus Christ. He chose you. It wasn't by your own doing. There was a point in your life where God led you. And I, uh, just to refer back to Dave again, he, he said um, God took him on this, he always had this vision where there was 49 years of his life. And God showed him most of the years of his life where God was with him, even though he only found Jesus at 23 years old. God is with him every single year, pursuing him, finding him to the place where we actually get before God and we repent. We repent of our sins. We, we say, God, I turn away from that life that I was living and I turn my face towards you. Knowing that you are chosen changes everything. You're not just a, a number in seven billion people on this planet. God looked down from eternity past and he said, Lebs, I'm going to choose you to be a worship leader, preacher, blessing to the nations. That had nothing to do with Lebo. Lebs, all he's done is pursue Jesus. And that's the thing. So we can, there's God's plan for us and then there's our plan. So we can, there's always this, I wouldn't even say it's parallel, it's almost like it's total opposite directions. God has a plan. His blood was enough for every single person. I don't believe in a thing called limited atonement, which means basically that only a few are chosen and the rest go to hell. I believe God's blood was enough for the whole earth, that anyone who turns to him will find life. Number two, in Christ Jesus you are loved by God with an inseparable love. Romans 8 says, I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things in the present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. There's, there's, there's nothing we can do to separate us ourselves from the love of God. Number three, in Christ Jesus, we're redeemed and forgiven of our sins. Another word, redeemed, means that a price was paid. Jesus looked down from heaven and he paid a price. He came down and he paid the price with his own life in our place. Number four, in Jesus, you are justified before God. For I say, God made Christ to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, there's an, I was terrible at accounting at school, okay? You have to do it up to a certain age. Who dropped it when they had to drop it? 
the moment I could drop it, it was my worst subject. Credit, debit, never, I mean, I just, it's, it should be simple. There was one row, there was another row, I just never, ever, ever got it. It was just, uh, I'm glad there's people like my wife and Excel who can figure these things out. But um, it's a bit, this is a simple accounting principle. What happened? Jesus justified you, which means he credited your account with, with, with righteousness. Now imagine after, after church you lift up your phone because you don't lift up your phone in church because that's just wrong. Uh, you look, unless you look at your Bible, fine. But if you open your phone to church and you're like, oh wow, a million dirhams in my account. And you can't figure out who it is. But someone has deposited a million dirhams in your account. And it's not a mistake. That means you're credited. And it's the same with salvation. And the, the problem with most believers is that we, we've been credited the salvation, but, but, but Christians live as though they're in debt, in debt. They always think they have to earn their way to God. They always think they have to do something to please Him. Salvation, justification was poured out from Jesus to us at no cost on our side. And that for me, what, what enlivens my heart to the gospel is that this is a gift. I did nothing to deserve it. God looked in eternity past, chose me to do what I'm doing right now if I follow Him wholeheartedly. He saved me, He justified me, and He's changed me. There's nothing. We have a credit. We do not need to live in debt anymore. We endeavor it. Just for the sake of illustration. We become a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. There's a new focus, a new king. You are no longer the king of your own kingdom. You are no longer the king of your castle. Jesus Christ has made has, has changed you. And he is king. I'm going to race through the rest of these. In Christ you are his son. Uh, 1 John 3 says, How great the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. I just think if that thing needs to set in our hearts. That we did nothing. God, someone who adopts, we've got friends who are adopting two Ethiopian kids. Um, they're a Christian family from another church. Twins. Um, and they, they're going through this whole process. It's been a couple of months. Anyway, so I think they're going to get their kids in maybe two months' time. But those kids did nothing to do, deserve that adoption. It's not like they sat there and they, they took a little selfie and like, sent it across the world, and then hopefully someone's going to adopt me. It's like those kids were just chosen by God through this family to be adopted. And it's the same with us as believers, is that we are just, God just chooses. He says, Clint, I'm going to adopt you. Craig, I almost forgot your name. <laughs> Bob, I'm going to adopt you. You're not, not an orphan anymore, Craig. Okay. You're a son. It says, we are seated in heavenly places. Ephesians 2.6. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when we anchored to this king, it says that it goes behind the veil. You've got, and what it means there is that that the, in the Old Testament there was a veil, then there was the presence of God. Jesus, as the last priest, has gone behind the veil and He takes us with Him. He's almost, He's pulling us by the chain. He is the anchor, anchored in Him. And we find, what did I say there? We are seated in heavenly places. Right now, I don't even know what that means. Okay, I've looked at commentaries. Some of the greatest theologians can't even really explain what that means. But we are seated with Christ right now. We, we've, he, we, we can do nothing more. He's radically changed us. Okay, last thing. 
In Christ Jesus, you have everything that you need. Philippians 4.19, my God will supply every need of yours according to the riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Do we believe that? And I think a lot of people live, a lot of believers live that their job is their provider. That their promotion or some kind of uh, increase is their provider. Jesus supplies all our needs. Um, we have to stop believing. Uh, like I said, I started with when, it's, when there's perilous times, when times get tough, maybe your, your bank balance is looking a little bit low and uh, you've had to pay a whole lot of debt or whatever it is. You trust in Jesus Christ. He supplies all you need. He supplied to start on our many, many, many occasions. People randomly giving us money. They don't even know that they should be giving us money. They give us money and it's been exactly what we need. God is not because we're pastors and special whatever. Jesus supplies all our needs. And finally, in Christ Jesus we have the peace of God. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I think as believers, we, need, we can't just stick that up on our bathroom or on our mirror or somewhere and we, like, we keep reciting. We have to take this into our hearts and say, there's peace that comes. Ultimately, there's peace because Jesus has saved us. But there's peace that comes and settles on our heart. That no matter, I want to be like Jesus in the boat. When the storm is raging, Jesus is sleeping. His, his disciples are going off. And I have, at, at times I've learned to be that. I'm, I'm, I'm a work in progress with that. I'm just saying, God, when times are tough, when times are a bit shaky, am I able to just carry on sleeping and rest? And I, I, I want to, I meant to say it in the beginning, but I think the biggest test in Dubai is not necessarily sometimes when things are tough. It's when things are good. It's when I'm earning a good salary. I've got, an, I've got a really good bank balance. Um, I'm doing relatively successfully at work. I, I'm, I'm kind of moving up the ladder. That for me is sometimes more of a bigger test than when you're going through tough times. Are you still anchored to Jesus? Is your soul still anchored to Him? Are you grateful to Him? Are you using what He's given you to further His kingdom or to further your own kingdom? What are you anchored to? Money, alcohol, lifestyle. We need to be anchored to Jesus. Let's pray.